Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'd like to welcome you to episode 350 of the FCPA Compliance Report. The FCPA Compliance Report is sponsored by Advanced Compliance Solutions, where I'm pleased to announce a new service offering, the Compliance Alliance. The Compliance Alliance is a three-step process which will allow you and your sales team to have a more focused sales effort around the Chief Compliance Officer and Compliance. It consists of FCPA Masterclass Training, <coughs> Podcast Sponsorship, and a Sales Boot Camp. Interested parties should contact myself, Tom Fox, at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Today I have with me Linda Justice. Linda is a well-known compliance practitioner from the Bay Area, and she has recently opened her own consulting firm, and she calls herself the Nancy Drew of Compliance. Well, not having read a Nancy Drew book for many, many years, I was very intrigued by this title. So I was able to get uh, Linda to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about what she does in terms of compliance, compliance strategy, and overall management of strategic risk using Nancy Drew as a role model. I think you will find it a fascinating uh, podcast, a fascinating discussion about different ways to think about compliance and to bring really the use of storytelling to the compliance function. Also, uh, in the month of October, I'm premiering a new series of my One Month to a More Effective Compliance Program podcast. This month, I'm going to take a look at One Month to More Effective Business Ventures in Compliance. I'm going to consider compliance from the M&A perspective, joint ventures, team agreements, and all other forms of business partnerships, ventures, and groupings going forward. The monthly podcast will be sponsored by Mike Volkoff and his law firm, the Volkoff Law Group. I hope you'll join us beginning October 2. This is Tom Fox. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. This is Tom Fox again, back for another episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. Today I have with me one of my favorite people, Linda Justice. Linda has uh, recently, or I would say at least this year, gone off on her own finally, uh, I would say, after me and many others told her she needed to do that, to start her own consulting company. And in addition to finally going out on her own and doing what she is incredibly passionate about, she has monikered herself as the Nancy Drew of Business Development Strategy, Solution, and Results. So, Linda, with that, uh, welcome and tell us about your journey to becoming uh, the Nancy Drew of Business Development Strategy. Hi, Tom. Thank you so much. Um, it's such a pleasure to, to participate with your FCPA compliance report. Just wanted to say that, um, first of all. Um, I, you know, my journey... Uh, very briefly, is uh, I began working in corporate investigations right from college. Um, I was an English major, so we're going to start to tie in Nancy Drew a little bit there, being a big reader and appreciating stories being told, um, and went to work for an investigative firm in New York City. Um, and what I found there, one of the most satisfying things for me um, initially was when I started getting the call from the client. Um, I realized I was doing good work. 
And when I started getting those calls, I just swelled up with pride and really enjoyed those interactions and understood how important those relationships were. Um, I pivoted after about seven years. Um, so I learned a lot. I'd done a lot of due diligence work, a lot of corporate investigations, a lot of asset search work. Um, I even worked on a murder, uh, but we can save that for another time. Um, I went to work for LexisNexis, um, initially drawn into the company uh, because it was a key resource uh, that investigators use. And in that role, um, I sorry, in that company, I was there for about seven years. I had th as three key roles that little did I appreciate at the time uh, really uh, helped to develop my sales and account management mindset. Um, it was it was just terrific. Great experience, great background. Um, after Lexus, I then went to work in an investigative uh, group for Deloitte and um, transferred out to the Bay Area <clears throat> about a year after um, after being with the organization in New York City. And one of the draws to working in San Francisco was the leadership was very, very focused on having um, the professionals out there in the marketplace developing relationships because they understood that uh, over the long term, that results in getting the call. Um, so tying that back to the theme from when I first um, started working. Um, I was able to use my uh, sales and account management and consultative sales background from LexisNexis. So I was very comfortable um, in that marketplace. And, um, you know, meeting with people and understanding that it's really about developing long-term relationships. Uh, it's an opportunity to understand your clients, uh, know what makes them tick, know what wags the dog, um, uh, you know, what prompts them to call uh, when something has occurred and they need your help with a very serious matter. Um, so I was comfortable in that and um, uh uh, did a little bit of mentoring within within Deloitte, either with peers who, you know, typical CPAs, very, very uh, nervous and uncomfortable about networking in general, um, and with some of the um, more uh, junior level individuals, and just always had a passion for it. Um, we had, as, as a professional service provider, we had, um, we had, uh, you know, a uh, quotas, if you will, for both managing projects and also for being part of bringing work in. So, you know, still had that, uh, that sales mindset as well. Um, and eventually, um, I moved to a boutique investigative firm and initially was brought on to manage one of their service lines uh, and then ultimately moved into a semi-business development role. Uh, from there, went to um, a regional accounting firm where um, where my role was solely focused on helping them to grow new business. Um, I, so I made that pivot along the way. What I found is that my investigative background was directly applicable um, in that sales process uh, for a number of reasons, but, um, you know, Part of it was simply doing your homework and understanding um, the clients who you were going to meet with, uh, what made them tick, what their issues were. Uh, and then ultimately, uh, as you said, thank you for the encouragement about going on my own. I had always had an entrepreneurial um, 
spirit simmering in there um, and had an opportunity to to do this. Um, I was at a little bit of a crossroads if I wanted to go work for an organization or was it time to... um, was it time to, to go out on my own? And so I, I felt ready and here I am, I'm new. Uh, I am, a, I call myself a startup, I, but I'm not on skateboards and I don't have all the cool snacks that you see in Silicon Valley, but here I am. <laughs> so what's, uh, how does Nancy Drew work into all of that? So Nancy Drew, um, you know, Nancy Drew, uh, childhood or, you know, a, a an author who so many children read, Nancy Drew, The Hardy Boys, um, other mysteries. Um, When I was with Deloitte, I remember um, working on describing myself. I went through this terrific leadership development program for a year. And what I realized was, um, how do I describe myself? Because I could get into all of the you know, well, I conduct due diligence during the M&A process, or I work on corporate investigations. Those were just words, but I think what really made it come to life was um, basically I'm Nancy Drew all grown up. Um, this is what Nancy did after solving the mystery of, you know, the missing dog or whatever it was that she solved, um, uh, you know, from reading her novels um, to um, solving corporate mysteries, solving corporate um, challenges and, uh, and, you know, using my skills um, to uh, to create value for my clients. Um, and as I've been going down this path in really defining what do I do, who am I, um, I realized that so much of what I do is really apply that um, problem-solving or mystery-solving um, aspect in the sales process. And so recently that really clicked for me that um, I'm calling myself, as you said, came up with the moniker, the Nancy Drew of business development strategy and solutions. Um, The solutions piece of it in solving those mysteries, um, there are a couple of things. Um, Research on demand, um, and I'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, or even uh, doing um, uh, CRM or, or uh, sales pipeline cleanup. I'm, I absolutely apply the investigative and analytical and the process um, to do that to, you know, to get better um, data out of your sales pipeline to help drive that sales process. Um, and then there is a piece of it with um, CPA firms in particular um, that need to do the right uh, due diligence on their incoming clients to manage their risk. So there's a due diligence piece as well. So we saw, um, I don't know if this example would resonate for you, but uh, certainly this week uh, or maybe over the last 10 days, there's been a lot of news out of South Africa about KPMG and now McKinsey around uh, some work they did for a family that's uh, attached to the president of South Africa, uh, President Zuma, and the family's the Gupta family. Family, And so it really got me thinking, Linda, about how much due diligence do service organizations do on their customers? And what part uh, does that play in an overall sales process? So uh, any thoughts on that? Um, sure. I think that it probably, there, there is a spectrum in what professional services firms will do. Uh, in the big four space, um, I think they certainly understand and have processes in place. Uh, when I was with Deloitte, we it was just a, a 
terrific machine. Um, and it certainly gave me insight into how uh, we as an organization managed our own risk. Um, and we, you know, often refined and enhanced and even expanded that process. Um, what I found um, uh, a couple of years ago, I realized that with regional CPA firms, um, there probably was uh, an opportunity for that. They might do everything from business on a handshake. Uh, I golf with them. Um, you know, they're part of my social circle. They're fine. Or, gee, my banker, uh, you know, introduced us or, you know, my lawyer or another professional services firm. And, um, you know, as an investigator and the people who I uh, have worked with, that does make us cringe. Um, there, I understand that there will be an element of trust, but you really do need to verify that these are uh, reputable uh, individuals and organizations. Um I find that the middle market just, this is, you know, not scientific. It's just from my view of the world. Um, I think there are varying degrees of due diligence. Um, I, uh, I obviously I come from this world and I feel that uh, I feel very strongly that it's important and speaking to your world, Tom, and the things that I know make you tick as a compliance evangelist, um, you know, what I, I'm 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 a compliance geek. I I re, I'm not an attorney. I'm not an accountant. But I've always not always later in my career, I started to become very fascinated about what was making my clients tick at Deloitte. And I felt that by understanding compliance topics and internal audit topics and anti fraud and that sort of thing, it would help me better understand them. And so I know that companies, at a minimum, you know, if they're standing up. Um, against um, regulators, uh, it, of course, makes really, besides it making good business sense, um, at a minimum, if they have some good program in place, it mitigates, um, you know, their exposure um, if, uh, if, if there are penalties and that sort of thing. I know you're the expert. You can speak to that till the cows come home. Um, so even if you're not doing it because it's good business sense, do it because uh, it, it will help down the road if you get into trouble. Um, but think about it with, uh, I'm not familiar with this particular um, incidents you described, but we do read about these all the time. Or when I think about the matters that I've worked on in my career, um, what, what have we stopped? Well, we protected our reputation, which is important. But think about the clients um, who, you know, uh, who your organization serves. Um, you're protecting their reputation as well. So I just, I like you, I'm an evangelist for that. I think it's important to know, um, know who you're doing business with. And also, you want to think about it in higher risk industries. So for example, um, in California, uh, we have the cannabis business, which is um, absolutely taking steam. Um, where uh, licenses will start to be issued in January of 2018. So managing, um, a, you know, kind of when you're touching a higher risk industry, it becomes all that more important. So you said a couple of things in there that really uh, intrigued me, Linda. Really, uh, I guess uh, one thing I'm sensing from your approach is the process. And it's, it's an entire process. And you're bringing various data inputs, information, 
uh, tools to that process. And at points in that process, obviously, you have to provide information out to, to real humans for assessment. Uh, but uh-huh. then uh, humans will give uh, put uh, feed, feed that information back into the process in terms uh-huh. of a continuous feedback loop. Have I gotten uh-huh. that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Very well said. I'm taking notes. I'm a note taker. So people who know me, I hope they'll get a chuckle out of that. Yes. Yep. They do. They take that information and put it back into their process. And then the second thing you touched on, which I'm really coming around to, to thinking is, is one of the most important missions of a compliance officer is to protect the corporate reputation. And yes. It's, uh, but you articulated it a step further, which is if you're a service provider, you've got to work to protect your clients and your customers' reputations. Do you see that as just one continuum? Absolutely. And your employees, um, your brand, everything. Absolutely. Well, I really uh, am fascinated with this integrated approach, and particularly, I'm certainly aware of your work in the compliance field and due diligence and how you've really brought those uh, tactics, techniques, and analysis to uh, not only Nancy Drew and bringing her up to date uh, to the 21st <laughs> century, but also really in the sales process. And And I, the more I work in uh, thinking about compliance, I try to think about how compliance can really enhance the sales process. But I'm almost thinking now that the work you're doing in the sales process really enhances compliance. And I had not thought about it flowing back that way. Uh, Actually, that's a very good point. Um, I I don't, you know, in the research that I'm doing, um, it it really is to, uh, you know, I talked about research on demand. Um, It's work that I really enjoy doing. I know that it's valuable uh, in the sales process. I describe it that what I do, I can help professional services firms to fill, nurture, and therefore close their sales pipelines. Um, What that means um, besides, you know, applying a research process to, for example, identify a certain population um, that a company might want to or a a firm might want to pursue, let's say, you know, manufacturing a certain type of product within a certain region, certain revenue, that sort of thing. When they are going out um, and meeting, you know, for However, an opportunity came into that sales pipeline, if it was marketing driven or driven by a partner in a firm um, or, uh, you know, referred by a client or by a referral source, when you have that first meeting, you really need to do better homework on who you're seeing. Um, If you're lucky, people might go to a company website, they might look at a LinkedIn profile, and I just take it a step or two further so that the professional service provider um, just has a better understanding of the organization of the individual or individuals with whom they're meeting, what makes them tick, what do they have in common, what matters. Now, in doing some of that, of course, um, if there's any low-hanging fruit um, news or information out there um, that that might um, give that firm pause in wanting to do work with them, that's a good stopping point right there. Um, it, uh I'm not seeing a lot of that, um, but it it is about, you know, being better prepared um, for that meeting. And when you're better prepared, that meeting goes well and you can speak more effectively to how your services can help them uh, with whatever need it is that you're fulfilling. Um, The other piece of it is 
um, on the nurturing side, it's um, I lay the traps um, for my clients to track uh, their uh, their prospects in the news or industry news or on very unique topics that might make them tick. Um, and in that, it might, uh, you know, you might be alerted to an event, litigation, um, something that, uh, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think it would inhibit a professional services firm from doing business with them per se, but something could come up. Um, and it's not just about tracking your prospects, but tracking uh, your existing clients so that you can continue to nurture that important relationship with them, tracking your referral sources, the ones who constantly refer work to you, you've got to nurture them. Um, now, in that process, we're talking about, so what's the value to compliance? I think by better understanding your client, what the issues are, um, you'll be at, you know, you give yourself an opportunity to serve them better overall. Um, there might be information or red flags where perhaps you might have had a conflict um, or, you know, if, if, you know, if something else emerges um, because you've done your homework, you're better prepared, you're asking better questions, um, you know, that might be a way to do it. And then, of course, um, depending on the firm, depending on the clients who they're serving, um, that feed into conducting that due diligence, that deeper due diligence uh, during the client acceptance or the onboarding process if you're doing that work up front, you're doing it systematically, you're doing it properly, you reduce your risk. And I think the compliance gods or evangelists would be very happy about that, wouldn't you? <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Linda, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I was wondering if uh, anyone wanted to get in touch with you or follow up with you directly on anything you've talked about here today, uh, could they email you? And if so, how would they do it? They absolutely can. My email address is lynda.justice at justiceconsultingllc.com. Uh, my last name is spelled like Justice of the Peace. A very fortunate name in this business, in the Nancy Drew world, um, whether it's for sales or, uh, or compliance and investigations. So uh, as you just heard, I've been visiting with Linda Justice, the Nancy Drew of uh, sales, marketing, and business process. She has uh, finally gone out on her own, something I'm certainly glad she did. And I really look forward to seeing uh, the directions you go and, and really what you do, what you develop. Because, Linda, I'm, I'm really fascinated with this conversation around both the inbound and outbound flow from compliance to sales. But now I see a way for sales to tack back in and influence compliance. So it'll be very interesting to see what you come up with. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Tom. And thanks for all of the work that you do. It's been a pleasure to connect with you and, uh, and hear more about you today as well. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of the FCPA Compliance Report. If you have listened to this podcast on iTunes, I would greatly appreciate it if you would rate our podcast as would help in our rankings and also help get the word out about the longest running podcast in compliance. If you have any questions, you can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Linda Justice, and I hope you will join me next week where I bring back New Yorker journalist Adam Davidson to talk about his continued investigations, reporting, and critique of the Trump administration from the financial and corruption perspective. This is Tom Fox signing off for this week's episode of the FCPA Compliance Report, a part of the Compliance Podcast Network. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.